Hello, hello everyone. This is Heather. This is Kara. And you're listening to I'm Not Complaining. I'm just asking. It's our podcast. So today, the Christmas movie marathon continues. And today we're going to be talking about the movie Elf. Released in 2003, starring Will Ferrell, directed by John Favreau, written by David Birnbaum. Kara, what are your feelings about this movie? It's a new holiday favorite. I think most of the holiday uh, or classic Christmas films um, that are beloved by me coming out in the 90s and then we have the Grinch which came out in the year 2000 I was shocked to see that Elf came out in 2003 I thought it came out way later or sooner to now modern <laughs> times than before but I, I, I love this movie I think it's hilarious I think Will Ferrell is great I think James Caan is great. Uh, I think Zoe Deschanel is great. I, everybody in this film is fantastic. It's again one of those movies where you couldn't imagine anyone else playing the characters that are being played here. But if you watch some of the behind the scenes special features mm-hmm. on the DVD mm. and also um, if you search it on the Google search, uh, the the cast was completely different when during pre production. Well, when David Birnbaum uh, actually wrote the script, because he actually wrote the script in 1993. Wow! So he had a lot of different comedians in his brain skull to play elf Mm. and uh it's said that sometimes people thought that well because jim carrey was really big um when he did ace ventura that was about that time but when he actually first shopped around the script studios wanted chris farley Mm. to play elf and he did such a great job in black sheep he did a great Tommy job. Boy. Tommy Boy. And then also, uh, what, what was the great white ninja? Oh, Beverly Hills Ninja. I mean, hilarious. So I think Chris Farley would have done a really great job. But I feel it's completely different energy, though. Yeah, I think that that would be more physical comedies. Mm-hmm. Because he, you know, I live in a van down by the river. And then falling on tables and breaking them. Cartwheels. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, uh, a lot of SNL cast members were given the script and were like, hey, you know, this is this idea. And nobody was interested in doing a Christmas film. So they also uh, shopped it around to... Phil Hartman, but they thought that he was too old. Well, that's true. I mean, even when Phil Hartman was young, he always had a middle-aged 
energy about him. He was always just exuded adult energy. Um, people, I mean, uh, Phil Hartman is absolutely incredible. He was one of my favorite cast members of Saturday Night Live of all time. And uh, for those of you who are not as familiar um, with Phil Hartman, I really recommend you go and research and view his skits on Saturday Night Live because it's an absolute master class. Um, some people, have, and he was known as the man of a thousand faces or the man of a thousand voices on Saturday Night Live, and some people um, have said nowadays, that's not really true. He kind of plays the same character in every um, skit, which I guess we can agree to disagree, but he always brought the Phil Hartman energy, and that energy was total, utter, complete confidence. And whenever he walked into a skit, he owned the skit. Um, it's like the <laughs> the episode of Friends where Joey it, Tribbiani is trying to um, have confidence going into filming a particularly difficult soap soap episode someone gives him the the advice of no matter where you go you own the room you walk in and you own everyone and everything in that room and that was the phil hartman energy um so i could see it working um maybe he could have been maybe not elf but maybe he could have been walter hobbs um the james Conn character i could i could see that completely working so will ferrell um at the time he had not been a leading man or a leading character in a film the only film that he had done so far was night at the roxbury which was in the 90s and with it, chris Kattan, and it was not a cult classic yet so we we have talked about Night at the Roxbury in our Will Ferrell retrospective episode. Um, that is a that is a strange movie. Um, so I could see the studio when they approached the idea of casting Will Ferrell as the lead of their family Christmas movie. I could see them being like, I don't know, I don't know about that, you guys. So at the same time when they were. Um, trying to see if Will Ferrell was even interested, they went to the set of Old School. Oh, my. And they talked with Vince Vaughn. They talked with Will Ferrell. They talked with um, Luke Wilson. And Will Ferrell was like, I think this is hilarious. I love the childlike wonder. I love the fact that he doesn't know that he is not an elf, that he's a person, and being completely and utterly lost in New York, I, I love it. And so then, after Will Ferrell said yes, Vince Vaughn then suggested that John Favreau be the director. And at the time, John Favreau had only directed one film, and it was a boxing film movie from the 90s and i think vince and vince vaughn, vaughn was, was in it. it and he said you gotta give him a chance 
He loves Christmas. He just became a dad. It'll be great. And so they showed John Favreau the script and he goes, I'm going to make this a Christmas classic and I want to make it for my kids. He goes, my son is one. Um, and I, I think that this is going to be great. Will Ferrell is going to be great. So then they had Will Ferrell, who had never been a lead in a film, who was currently filming like old a, school. A, which is a total guy, frat boy mentality. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's rated R. Uh, it, should, it should be. We're going streaking. <laughs> And, and then, then you have John Favreau, which he if he also had an acting stint on the TV show Friends, where he played Monica's boyfriend. Let's not forget. And John Favreau had only directed one film, and so when they had a cast and a director, but no studio that was going to give them the money to green light it and they're like you're crazy these are it's gonna be nothing and uh new line cinema gave it a chance and said look i think the script is really great and we'll give you some money and give us the dailies and the screenshots and we'll see how it goes and so the budget was so low initially and um the budget um was 33 million but before they were actually given the full $33 million, they started shooting Christmas in the snow in Manhattan for Elf, and they shot it gorilla style. <laughs> and they shot all of the exterior street scenes like for Times Elf. Square. Times Square, him coming through the Lincoln Tunnel. They shot it gorilla style in 13 days. Oh my God. And that, those dailies of Will Ferrell interacting with the general population. In of, full costume. In full costume. So when he initially gets to New York from the North Pole in Manhattan and he's interacting with people, those are not paid actors. Those are not extras. Those are real New Yorkers reacting to a life-size, <laughs> man-size elf who is cheery and, and just, you know, smiling is my favorite. Um... And so those dailies are actually what got the film greenlit by New Line Cinema and gave them the $33 million. <laughs> My favorite part is when he sees an older gentleman who looks like Santa and he's in a red sweatshirt, sweatpants, and he's he got gloves, and he's got his hoodie up. And he, and he has goes, a full white beard. Santa! Santa! Oh, not Santa! That's a real man that was walking <laughs> on the street, and they had to follow him for a, quite a few blocks in order for the cameraman to get in front of him for Will Ferrell to have that interaction with him. Um, the bell ringer, the people handing out oh, the, thank the flyers. You. Thank oh you. No, no, get out of here. Get, get out of here. 100% real. How he didn't get stabbed in New York or shoved into the street, oh my God. I, I don't know. The interiors of the film are shot on sound stages in Vancouver, Canada. Um, they use uh, extreme force perspective, so for Will Ferrell to look gigantic next to everyone yeah, else. Yeah, but let's be real. Uh, Will Ferrell's tall. Yeah, he's a big he's guy. He's tall. So... 
It's not that much of a stretch. No. Um, but the craziest fact that I found out about the film Elf is that the, in addition to the sound stages, a lot of the sets were built inside of a closed, abandoned mental institution. Oh, no. <laughs> Those are all the uh, New York interiors. So that's the office building, that's the, the penthouse that they live in, and all that. Um, the store, gimbals, um, all of that is shot inside a repurposed mental institution. <laughs> and so they're like, if you see anything weird, just run away. <laughs> so I'm sure there are a lot of um, salt circles. And then they also use stop motion um, that was inspired by Franken and Bass um, to make it look like an old school Christmas film. There's so many elements to this film that I really appreciate and love. And syrup and coffee, why didn't I think of that? Again, this this film, we quote on the daily, even more so at Christmas time, but really every day of the year. And it is become a beloved holiday favorite. Mm -hmm. It's the fifth highest grossing Christmas film of all time. Wow. It made $222 million <laughs> at the box office in the first year that it was released. Or, excuse me, the, it was released in October of 2003. So, while it was in the box office, it made um, over $222 million. So, it was a success... It also helped that Old School came out in the summertime mm. of 2003. And so then people were familiar with Will Ferrell. He was and on the radar. He was, exactly. And then they're like, oh my gosh, this movie Elf is coming out starring Will Ferrell. We got to see it. So they got the Old School fans. They got the Saturday Night Live fans. Um, and then you got the holiday crowd. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that it really helped catapult Will Ferrell into the amazing cinematic universe that he's in now. <laughs> and then that also gave Jon Favreau the ability to uh, be trusted with the Iron Man franchise, mm -hmm. with the Avengers. And, and now, now the Mandalorian. Which he directs and writes the episodes it's crazy we won't go down the mandalorian rabbit hole here but let's just say wow five stars five stars highly recommend mm -hmm. so guys um if you have your streaming ready or if you have a dvd of elf uh pop it in and watch along with us um before we press play um uh, we're gonna say the rest of the cast um, Zoe Deschanel as Joby. We have Fazion Love as the boss at Gimbals. Um, we have uh, James Kahn as Walter. Bob Newhart as Papa Elf. Ed Asner as Santa Claus. Peter Dinklage as Miles Finch. In the office, we have Amy Sedaris, Andy Richter, Kyle Gass, one half of Tenacious D, 
and we have Mary Steenburgen as the mother. It's this this is jam packed of and, amazingness. And guys. there's also a uh, guest appearance by uh, Mr. Child, you'll shoot your eye out. Christmas story. Special guest appearance by Peter Billingsley, aka Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Uh, he, that was so fantastic. I love it. You're not a cottonhead mini muggins. So sweet. Oh my goodness gracious. And Daniel Tay as Michael, uh, Buddy's soon to be stepbrother. And with that, I think we're ready to push play. So first off, guys, the, 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 the font used is Curls MT. And for anyone who has used Photoshop or Microsoft Word, it's, it's a bold choice. It's a bold choice starting your movie with Curls MT. But you know what? It's whimsical and I, I like it. So we start the film with Papa Elf, who is Bob Newhart. And Bob Newhart is going to tell us the entire story of how Buddy the Elf came to be. And Bob Newhart looks amazing in this outfit. I want that jacket. It looks so warm. But I love how he describes the jobs of what elves do. That there's three jobs. You're either a cobbler. You're either cooking... Cookies, cookies in a tree. tree. <laughs> I just want to make shoes. <laughs> oh, you make toys for Santa. So after the credits, we see a baby that's obviously in an orphanage. And it's Christmas. Uh-oh, here comes Santa down the chimney in the orphanage. Leaving presents for all the children. There's a noise and we notice that the little baby is going for the teddy bear in the sack. Uh-oh. Cut to the Santa's workshop. The elves are celebrating with cocktail glasses full of milk. Or eggnog. And dancing a jig. <laughs> so they've literally just finished prepping, finished making all the toys. And that night they're going to start again for next year. Uh-oh, baby crawling out of Santa's sack. His name is Buddy. So Bob Newhart decides to adopt Buddy because <laughs> he's never had time for a family because he's been too busy. Making all the toys. The code of elves treat every day like it's Christmas. There's room for everyone on the not... <laughs> there's, there's room for everyone on the nice list. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for, for all, all to, to hear. And of course, this is where all <clears throat> the visual gags start, where Will Ferrell is obviously an enormously tall human, uh, and the elves are tiny. So there's a lot of crouching under doorways, uh, breaking furniture by sitting on it, uh, all of that kind of thing, which is fantastic. So they had to build two different sets and then also using force perspective and probably green screen too as well they talk about the theory of santa and kids and parents and and things like that and that the santa's sleigh runs on christmas spirit and santa's sleigh has a 
jet turbine and engine in addition to the reindeer. Because with modern times, Christmas spirit is low already because children ha ha have gotten the idea that Santa isn't real and that he is actually a story that parents have made up and parents give them the presents and eat the milk and cookies. To which uh, Will Ferrell is just shocked and appalled because obviously he knows Santa. He knows him. And he lives in the North Pole with the elves. It literally works in the in the workshop. And now we have Ming Ming. Which is Peter Billingsley. <laughs> and how Will Ferrell is awful and, and terrible. making toys. And is super slow. And he's ashamed at how many, or lack of how many, Etch-a-Sketches he's been able to make. And it's way, way, way off track. But how many kids are asking for Etch-a-Sketches for Christmas? I mean, I feel like everyone's had an Etch-a-Sketch at least at one point in their life. It's just something uh, that you get. And it's, I mean, there are people, hello, go on Etsy, okay? Go on Etsy and and go find an Etch-A-Sketch. And there are Etch-A-Sketch artists that they have, they are skilled enough that they can make elaborate artwork just using the tools of the Etch-A-Sketch. And then somehow it doesn't they get are, shaken they're able to freeze or glue um, the whatever the hex are inside. I don't know. See, I'm not an Etch-a-Sketch expert, but there's a whole community of people that this is a very big deal for them. And they make a living sourcing Etch-a-Sketches and then you can they either design pieces of art or you can request custom pieces of art and they will make it for you. But I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it works. But, but, but Will Ferrell... Or elf. Or buddy. <laughs> buddy. Buddy the elf. He says, I'm the worst toy maker in the world, and I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. And everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> Blasphemy. Whatever. But but I'm, I'm terrible at making toys. Everybody else seems to have the same skill. <laughs> and your special, sk special skills? Of you being had to, tall, basically. Yeah, you, you had to change the batteries in the smoke detector. That's right, and in six months, you'll have to do it again. And you brought the, <laughs> the choir down a, a whole octave. In, in a, a good, good way. way. <laughs> oh, and when they say that you're, you're spe just special, oh. And now he got sent <laughs> to toy to testing. Which he's testing the jack in the boxes. Oh, fun what? fact about this John Favreau rigged up one of the jack in the boxes to be on a remote. So when he opens the one that is what he believes to be defective, that Will Ferrell is actually genuinely startled because he's like, Oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> so while he is testing the jack-in-the-boxes we hear a couple of the other elves trying to get 
production back online and says, well, if he hasn't figured out that he's a human, I don't think he ever will. And then there's a montage of all the things that he is larger than life and like 10 sizes too big. It's the shower, it's the shoes, his bed, the choir, (laughs) basketball. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so Buddy ends up passing out. And, and landing on one of the Alps. Oh my gosh. I love the set design of everything in the North Pole. It's so fantastic. I love it. It's like he's in a dollhouse. Yeah. And I love how the interior of Papa Elf's house is all muted whites and grays. Like literally everything. So that Bob Newhart and... Uh, Will Ferrell's brightly green and yellow costumes, they just pop and make them larger than life. I just love it. I love it. So here's the big reveal. Bob Newhart decides to tell, finally tell Will Ferrell that yes, he is indeed a human. Uh, He was from an orphanage. His mother and his father, he actually has a photograph of his mother and father, who is young, young James Caan and an unnamed woman, uh, Susan. I believe her, they say her name is Susan Connors. Um, Susan Wells. Yeah, Susan Wells. And um, we never meet her, but um, but they were college sweethearts, and they did they did not stay together. So that's how he ended up at the orphanage. Uh, disillusioned buddy runs into the snow with his photograph. And he talks to the snowman. And this entire stop motion and set is 100% inspired by Rankin and Bass. Oh, yeah. Because they have Frosty the Snowman. Arctic Puffins. The trees. And this whole scene is actually shot. Not on a sound stage, but actually in an ice hockey rink mm. in Canada. And now Buddy the Elf decides, I'm going to go to New York City to find my dad. And he talks to Santa before he leaves to get some advice and inspiration on going into the real world. <laughs> the childlike, I mean. And Santa also reveals that. His buddy's dad is actually on the naughty list. No! (laughs) So here's where we meet uh, James Caan. And he is in an office and he's talking to someone trying to break the news that he can no longer provide free books to their organization which cut to there is a tiny frail woman who is actually a nun and she's like oh please but the children they love the books and he's like yeah that's great but i got a business to run lady and it's like oh no so what's funny is the original person who was supposed to play walter hobbs before they got james Kahn was gary shanley oh my gosh that's another i for any young people who might be listening to this podcast gary shanley 
um, absolutely incredible comedian. Please, please do what you can to look uh, look him up and find his material because he's incredible. Uh, John Favreau actually worked on the uh, Gary Shandling show. Not the Gary. Sh- it, it, <laughs> yes and no. Um, it was Gary Shandling's show, but it was a show called the Larry Sanders show. Uh, the La- Larry Sanders was the character name. Um, so John Favreau worked on the Larry Sanders show, but yes. My, so Buddy is now going to go to New York via a, a piece of ice drift and the little <laughs> Arctic Puffin and friends. Bye, oh. Buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> which is narwhal. the narwhal that comes out that everybody's afraid of. Which Mr. Norwal is actually voiced by John Favreau. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, thanks, Mr. Norwal. Oh, my gosh. And in the original screening for Elf before it was released to the theaters, the stop motion was not ready and was oh. not in the film. And New Line Cinema almost cut it because they go, oh, I don't know if it needs it. Oh. And both John Favreau and uh, the writer, David Birnbaum, was like, no, it has to be in there. Oh, yeah. It, it just makes it, gives that little extra. Mm-hmm. But the reason why New Line Cinema wanted to cut it is because uh, originally the studio had not gotten clearance oh, from, from Franken, Franken and Bass. The raccoon, oh my gosh. So Buddy's now in the real world <laughs> and runs into a raccoon. And does someone need a hug? And now... We're in- Will Ferrell, Buddy the Elf, is in the Lincoln Tunnel, and it shows him inching along the side. That's real. That was on day one, and it's him with a cameraman, a single cameraman, shooting gorilla style. Oh. And so this whole montage of him going into New York as Buddy the Elf, none of these people have any idea yeah. what the hell is going on. <laughs> So he's getting a shoe <laughs> He's getting flyers. Oh, man. World's, World's best be- cup of coffee. Congratulations. You did it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Him hopping. hopping on the crosswalk. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Here's Santa. Oh, not Santa. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not chewing gum! Eating the gum off the banister! No! 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 That's. That was. They put that there. No, he's not eating random pieces of candy. It doesn't matter! York. It's still awful! Oh. Spinning in the door until he throws up. You can see how stretched out his leggings are. <laughs> yeah, and the guy, the doorman on the inside is like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> so as his guide, he has a little snow globe that has the Empire State Building. Which is where Walter Hobbs works. 
So now Buddy the Elf is getting in the elevator. He's never been in an elevator his entire life. And if you've never been in an elevator, what's the most thing, fun thing about being in an elevator? Or what kids always do is... Push all the buttons. Which, oh. pushing all the buttons, it's like a Christmas tree. Because it's Empire State Building. And now we see James Caan, who's complaining about how, how a book is printed incorrectly and it's missing the last two pages and we're gonna ship them anyway because kids just look at the pictures it doesn't matter we meet amy sedaris as the secretary and she is such a fantastic comedian again just everybody's hitting on all cylinders here this is a star-studded cast and buddy the elf talks to her about seeing walter hobbs and she believes that he is a, a Christmas telegram or singing telegram. That's what she assumes. She's assuming that he is playing a character, and that's why he is—he's—he has this innocence about him. So she just starts giving him the innocence right back because she thinks it's a—it's a shtick. It's a—it's a gig. It's a Christmas gram. So this exchange between Buddy the Elf. And Walter Hobbs, this is actually the first scene <laughs> that James Caan and Will Ferrell ever did together. So James Caan had no idea what to expect. <laughs> he just he was like, "Okay, we're gonna start. We're gonna shoot Buddy meeting you, his dad, for the first time." And so the absolute confusion of Will Ferrell, a giant I, oh, man. Oh, visually, yeah, for sure. That's why this reaction is so authentic because he's like why is he singing so the entire office is gathered to watch the singing telegram and will ferrell makes up on the fly a song about how he was adopted and he is his strange son and he has come to meet him for the first time and everybody's just like oh this is uncomfortable this is awkward what's a christmas scram I want one. I like, <laughs> like whispering, whispering too. too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, he is escorted out of the building, the building. by security. Yes. To, <laughs> the, the security guard sar sarcastically suggests, why don't you go back to Gimbal's? Where Santa Land is. And so we see, of course, across the street, a giant department store, which is Gimbal's. Oh! To which buddy the elf gets hit by a taxi. So, Will Ferrell goes into the Gimbal's department store, and it is, indeed does look like Santa Land. There are Christmas trees everywhere. And like with any department store, you walk in on the ground floor and it's perfume. And they spray perfume on you. Gosh. So they structured, so it, they structured it exactly like Saks Fifth Avenue, Macy's. Mm-hmm. And a nod to Miracle on 34th Street. Of course, because Gimbal's was a real place. That com Gimbal's and Macy's uh, were competitors. And uh, in the film Miracle on 34th Street, um, of course, Macy's is the main setting of that entire movie. Which, in real life, um, Gimbal's did indeed go out of business while Macy's is still standing at the time of this podcast. Um, so it's funny it, that they decided 
to revive the Gimbal's brand and put it on full display for the Elf movie. And now the interaction of him trying to get onto the escalator, finally gets on the escalator, gets on it awkwardly, and then also uses the restroom and proceeds to tell the person these toilet seats are ginormous. <laughs> and then... Here comes Faisy on love. Oh my gosh. Because the perfect gift for that special someone... Of course he ends up in the lingerie. Which the reason why he's in the lingerie section... One, it's funny because kids... Two, the writer, uh, David Birnbaum, he actually worked... At a factory that made lingerie. <laughs> and so he thought that that would be funny to work that in there. Um, but while we're being escorted up to the top floor for Santa's workshop in Gimbal's, uh, we're shown that there are plenty of holiday temporary workers as elves in Santa's workshop. And Buddy the Elf proceeds to tell his supervisor, his boss... Which, he doesn't even work there. He doesn't even work there. Um, the manager just assumes that he's one of the seasonal workers and that he's messing around when he should be working. So drags him up to the uh, Santa's workshop, a.k.a. the toy department, where they're setting up for... Santa photos, which will be taking place the very next day, but still they have to get some, get the work done. So Faison Love, I love his wardrobe. It's so fantastic. So it's a, a button-down dress shirt with a tie with a red vest on top, the tiniest Christmas light necklace, and two <laughs> holiday brooches with a name tag. It's like it's holiday, but it's like the least amount of holiday that he could get away with. And he's just trying to get through the season. And he is going to, he's not going to let anyone slack on his crew because it reflects badly on him. Because and so he, he needs this tall man dressed as an elf to get his stuff together and get to work. In addition to his very festive attire and brooches, <laughs> the name tag says Wanda. Why does it say Wanda? Because initially, our good friend Wanda Sykes <laughs> was supposed to be the supervisor. Oh my goodness. And she, because of a scheduling conflict, had to bow out the last minute to the fact that the wardrobe the pin the name tag everything was set and ready to go in wardrobe for her to come to set oh my and goodness and she couldn't come and so uh phase on love stepped in because he's friends with john favreau i mean and you guys might also remember phase on love from the film blue crush who he played a professional football player. Which, again, in that film, five stars. And Faison Love proceeds... He's so confused of why Buddy the Elf is so extremely cheerful. And why, why are you smiling like that? I, I just love smiling. Smiling is my, my favorite. favorite. Make, make, make work. Make work your favorite. 
and he's got his <laughs> he's got the clipboard. He's got his checklist. And I love when he's making the announcement to the general public. He just slaps on the smile and tries to be so cheerful. And when he's talking to Buddy, he could not be more irritated. <laughs> Santa's coming to town. Santa's coming. Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> just, just the... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. And now we're introduced to Jovi. Who is Zoe Deschanel with blonde hair. You will notice, recognize her perhaps from the television series The New Girl in which she had very dark black hair in that. <laughs> She's decorating the Christmas tree and uh, Will Ferrell is very excited because he's never met a human that shares his affinity for elf culture. And she just thinks that he's messing with her. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, let's be real. Who's that excited to be working in Santa's workshop in Gimbal's? Right. <laughs> if you can sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's absolutely no difference. You just sing louder and longer, and you move your, your voice, voice up, up and down. down. And then when Will Ferrell makes everybody stop and look at him because he's singing, we have uh, Faze Hot and Love come back and go, Hey, no singing in the North Pole. Yes, yes there, there is. is. No, there's not. Especially when we make toys. <laughs> So, of course, Buddy the Elf has nowhere to go, um, and the store is closing, so what are you going to do? You're going to sleep in this toy store. But there's so much to do. Why is everybody going? So we have to prepare for Santa to come, and because Buddy has been raised by elves... He's trained for this his entire life. So we see a montage of him... Using light brights to create signs. Legos. Is this a Easter egg to tell us of the oncoming Lego franchise movies that he would be a part of? Maybe. He's also cutting out snowflakes. He's using wrapping paper. He's got he, lights. He went to the bedding department and has ripped apart pillows to do fake snow. Oh my gosh. And now uh, we see... James Khan going back to his house and he's going to investigate why this giant elf man came <clears throat> to his place of work about how he's him and uh, Susan Wells' son. Mm -hmm. So he's going through his old yearbook and in the yearbook is the exact same photograph that Buddy presented him with. So he's like, this guy might be for real. Because, I mean, seriously, it's strange. And, of course, we see Mary Steenburgen as the wife. And uh, Mary Steenburgen, of course, went on to star in Step Brothers as Will Ferrell's mother. <laughs> and now Buddy the Elf has finished his master creation of Kimball's North Pole. Santa's workshop. Which and looks great. Much more festive. He's also redecorated all the trees. Mm -hmm. And now he hears somebody singing 
from down the hallway. And we see... It's in the locker room. And we see that it's uh, Joby, who is Zoe Deschanel singing Baby It's Cold Outside. Which, of course, she can sing very well. <laughs> and Buddy the Elf is sitting on top of the sinks a respectful distance away because he just wanted to hear the song. It's cold outside. And she's like, what in the what? Get out, don't look at me. And so Will Ferrell, of course, covers his eyes and runs straight into a wall. Fantastic. <laughs> and he's asleep in the, in the display window holding an elf. Okay, can I just say, being inside a display window and pretending to be a mannequin is really fun. <laughs> Uh-oh. We see Buddy the Elf getting uh, apprehended by security Yet again. at the em Empire State Building because he wants to give his dad something special, a present. We don't know what that present is yet. Cut back to the north. Uh, the uh, Santa's Workshop, a.k.a. Gimbal's. Everybody's waiting in line to get their picture taken with Santa. Um our floor floor manager oh he looks wonderful today he again has even more holiday attire and he's inspecting all of the new deck oh see etch a sketch with a mona lisa i told you i told you you could do fabulous things with an etch a sketch and now jovi is oh gosh in charge of the wrapping section where she is curling ribbons ribbons and she's asking why he was in the locker room this morning. And he said, I heard singing. And he goes, why were you here so early? And she said, because they shut my water off. But my favorite part about this scene, again, Heather and I use this phrase all the time, is, is the manager... This entire sequence we use quite a bit. If we're out somewhere and something just ain't right and we need to establish a code, it's so if you know we're in trouble, call me on my radio. Code word, Santa's got a brand new bag. Oh my gosh, you guys. Uh, Someone's gunning for my job. <laughs> He's so fantastic. And additionally... If Let's so remain a team. <laughs> and um, also in our daily life, if if we need backup, <laughs> if we um, <laughs> if there's something, if there's a task that needs to be accomplished and it's not quite getting done right, we go six inch ribbon curls, honey. That's impossible. Six inches. Inches. <laughs> oh my gosh oh Lord. but the number of christmas pins that he's wearing <laughs> buddy the elf gives her such a nice compliment and says i think you have the most beautiful singing voice in the world oh because you can tell she's having a hard time <laughs> yeah 
It's no fun to be at the wrapping station. That's no, it's no not. Fun. And I'm terrible at wrapping. Oh. I would get fired immediately. And then Santa shows up and Buddy the Elf gets in front of all the children. Oh, and he's like, it's me, it's me, it's Buddy. And we see this exchange between the Gimbal's hired Santa, the hired help, and, and Buddy the Elf. And they go, oh my gosh, don't tell him what you want. Is that the real Santa? You sit on a throne of lies. And of course, you the, smell like beef and cheese. The, the Santa is played by Artie Lang, who is a comedian. <laughs> They're having this this hushed conversation of threats back and forth. And meanwhile, there's a child literally right there, and the kid is so confused. Oh no. He is de-bearded Santa. Oh my gosh. And they get into a shoving match and Santa literally tackles Buddy. And they get into a fist fight. And all oh. the children watching and screaming. There's <laughs> <laughs> the store manager with his clipboard who uses a very great football tackling hey, technique. Pulling from Blue Crush. He, he had to train. He's not Santa. And here we see now... James Kahn, Walter Hobbs, open a gift from Buddy to someone special, to Dad, love Buddy, and it's the picture from of, the yearbook of him and Susan Wells, and it's the to someone special lingerie. Oh gosh! Because again, Awful. as a child, That's it says funny. for someone special. He doesn't understand the context. So, Buddy the Elf has been arrested and he's been put in stir. Uh, so there's all these hardened criminals playing solitaire and doing pull-ups. And Buddy is waiting to make bail. And James Kahn, a.k.a. Walter Hobbs, actually has come to bust him out of prison. Which is very nice. They gave me one call. They and gave I, me one call and I said, I know, I know who I'm calling. Oh my god. And I and they said there is no way he's coming. He said they told me so many times. <laughs> and so Walter Hobbs is like, "What do you want? What do you want? Money? What do you want? Where'd you get this picture? Mm -hmm. Well, I thought that you would want to meet. I want to meet you, and I thought you just wanted to meet me. That's it. And so for this interaction, John Favreau told James Kahn. He whispered to him very, very, very low. Remember your character from The Godfather. Oh, Sonny Corleone! And so that is the interaction that he has with Buddy the Elf as he picks him up and shoves him against <laughs> the concrete wall in the stairwell. Hey, there he is. And now John Favreau does a guest appearance as... The Doctor. Walter Hobbs is friend who is a doctor who's going to perform a dna test i just took a dna test and turns out elf is now eating cotton ball <laughs> the cotton oh balls because he gosh. thinks they're marshmallows it's just awful we're gonna do a finger prick what's a finger prick my finger has a heartbeat right and as he's talking with the little girl in the waiting room she's telling him what she would like for Christmas, and he'll pass it along and put in a good word for the big man. Mm -hmm. And Buddy the Elf tells her, I'm Buddy the Elf. Human raised by, by elves. elves. And she says, I'm a human raised, raised by, by humans. humans. 
And then John Favreau comes to see James Caan and says, "It's yeah. a boy. He is your son." And the reason why he's dressed as a deranged man elf is because he's reverting to a childlike state. And then if you acknowledge him and introduce him to your wife and your son, Michael, he'll probably snap back to reality and he'll just move on with his life. And I love the reaction of his wife. Oh, sure, because they obviously have been together for lo forever long enough and they have a, a son who's like 10 so it's obvious that she's not going to have any feelings of betrayal or anything because will ferrell is uh, they, they say 30 years old um so it's not like she would have any um ill will feelings either towards james con or um buddy uh, but then he comes to dinner and she is just like, what in the world is because, happening? Because he's decorated their house. She In the time it took for Walter to bring him home and go answer the door uh, to meet... No, go downstairs to meet Mary Steenberg and tell her everything in the elevator right up. They, he has redecorated their home. <laughs> Another thing that I love about this dinner is that they are having pasta. They are having marinara sauce and meatballs and a salad. The reason I love this is because if you have, you're already gonna be making a family dinner for three, which is, you know, on the normal for them. But you're adding an unexpected guest. Pasta is the way to go because just boil another box of pasta and well, it's fine and also it's also, not a big deal also I most people you know are not going to be like oh i don't eat red meat or i'm a you know yeah whatever a, a vegetarian or whatever pasta Usually, works unless you're gluten-free but that's a whole nother thing but there is gluten-free pasta i've so, had it before it's delicious yeah it's good i also had veggie pasta it is good I've never been able to pull off um, having <clears throat> zucchini and carving oh, the, noodles. the zucchini noodles. It never works out for me, ever. But he tells the story of how he came to New York, of where he's been living, and then talks about, would you pass the maple syrup, but we're having spaghetti. And he goes, oh, I think I have some, and pulls out of his sleeve... A, a tiny travel size maple syrup and they proceed to go through the main food groups of an elf which is candy candy canes candy corns and syrup so, and do you really like sugar is there syrup and sugar yeah then yes and then she asks buddy the elf how long are you planning on staying with us and he says, I was thinking forever. <laughs> and as they go into the kitchen to talk about what Buddy the Elf has just said, there are hundreds of cookies that he has baked. Buddy the Elf is left alone with, with their son. Michael. And he, after he chugged a two liter bottle of soda, 
burps for like 10 seconds and we so, so the pull-out couch in the in the uh family room or I, office i think it's an office so there's a pull-out couch in the office and that is where buddy is sleeping and i love his pajamas with nightcap and little booties <laughs> and he wants to get tucked in which James Conn does, and they start on this tickle fight. Oh my gosh. And he's like, no. And you can now tell that he is not really a family guy. Mm-hmm. Probably a bit of a workaholic, mm-hmm. maybe. And so cut to the next morning, oh. and Buddy the Elf has made breakfast. He's reheated leftover pasta and marinara sauce, and sp- and poured over maple syrup for her. And as a mom, she did take one bite and say it was good to the delight of Will Ferrell. <laughs> Which I love on the table, he has pulled out all the the syrups and and candy. And how did you sleep last night? Great. I got a full 40 minutes and I had even enough time to build that rocking horse. <laughs> Which whenever again Heather or I you could definitely tell that we did not sleep very well or we slept in really late and how did you sleep last night? Great. I got a full 40 minutes. And he she's going off to work and so buddy gives her a Ziploc bag full of pasta to go and he has written her name on it so sweet very Uh, thoughtful will ferrell uh then uh offers to plate up uh spaghetti breakfast for walter and he says no i'm just gonna have coffee uh there are pop tarts swiss rolls uh an enormous serving bowl of pasta and marinara every kind of syrup you can imagine on the table a large jar of M&Ms. And I even believe I see in the corner there are calzones. Um, is it calzone? Uh, I thought a calzone was um, meat and... Uh, oh, cannoli. Excuse me. Excuse me. Cannoli. That's what I was meaning. Maybe that's a nod to... Oh, <laughs> to leave the gun, take the cannoli? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And James Kyle is just like, I'm just going to stick with coffee. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, sure. And so Buddy the Elf then reads off a list of things that he would like to do that he's written on an edge. An edge sketch. And how they want, let's have a snowball fight, a tickle fight, eat an entire roll of Toll House cookie dough as fast as we can, and then to finish off, we'll snuggle. (laughs) And James Conn goes, no, I have to go to work. And Buddy's like, okay, yeah, you're right. And... While I'm at work, you need to lose the costume as soon as possible. To which, of course, Will Ferrell takes it literally and strips off his clothing. <laughs> we emerge from the building. James Con- uh, James Conn, of course, in his camel coat suit. Um, and Buddy is up in the... Uh, Apartment. Yes. Making sure the emergency contact works by Buddy the Elf calling him and saying there's a very scary, strange noise coming from the wall. And he goes, that's 
would be the radiator. And he's like, no, no it's not. It's something very scary, very sinister. I'm going to, oh, you're right. You're right. That That's it. That's it. Everything's fine. I made a picture of a butterfly. <laughs> and, and so then we see Buddy the Elf make himself breakfast, which is the pasta. Mary. He's got the, the oh my, snow, snow caps. the snow cap chocolates, candy, marshmallows, chocolate syrup, crushed up pop tarts, M and M's. He mixes it all together and then shovels it in his mouth. Which, by the way, they did that take so many times that they had a trash can next to him because it actually made him throw up. <laughs> But I appreciate the commitment to the role. I'm sure that his jacket also needed to be dry cleaned from the chocolate. Okay, so here comes the boss of Walter Hobbs, uh, who is going to bring down the hammer because the latest book that they released was incomplete. It doesn't make sense, and the last two pages are not there, making the book essentially useless because it does not conclude the story. And... Uh, James Conn tries to push it off, the blame off on someone else, but he has proof that Walter Hobbs signed off on the proofs, and it is all his fault. Profits are down minus eight. Minus eight! That does not happen. So he needs to hear a pitch for a brand new book on the 24th, which... Of course. It's Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. And he goes, is there a problem? And he goes, no, of course not. We'll have it ready to go. And now we see Buddy the Elf is going to be picking up the Michael. son, Michael, from his private school in New York. Which Michael tries to ignore. Jeez. And Buddy the Elf almost gets run over by a car. Again. Again. I love Michael's outfit because whenever the weather here in San Diego get, dips below 70 degrees, that's the outfit I'm wearing. <laughs> Snow gloves, a wool hat, and a huge, enormous puffy coat. And I love that Buddy the Elf is telling Michael about his day and how he waited for him for five hours, hours outside on a stoop. And now Michael and Buddy the Elf. <laughs> <laughs> Get attacked by snowballs, and Buddy the Elf gets hit in the face. Son of a nutcracker! <laughs> so there's a fantastic um, making of of this snowball scene on the DVD extras. So these snowballs are getting launched like nobody's business, and so Buddy the Elf, of course, is very skilled at making snowballs. So he makes about a thousand snowballs in five seconds and is ready to start launching. So they had Will Ferrell throw, throw the, <laughs> the snowballs, but they're like, you know what? It's not looking right. Even if we speed up the footage, it's not gonna look the way we want. So when you see Buddy the Elf rapid firing the snowballs, that the arms, the arm is added later. And in order to accomplish that at that point in time, you hear the audio of John Favreau going, okay, put your arms tight 
and around your sides like essentially like you know he had like he has no arms he goes you can't we can't see your arms because we're going to add them later so the so hold your arms against your sides but move your body as if you were full force throwing a curveball and so they're just letting the camera roll and so will ferrell is just like moving his body like essentially if you're doing the dance worm the dance move the worm and he's doing it and will ferrell just stops and he goes you guys aren't even rolling the camera you're just messing with me right now jeff ferrell's like no no dude it looks really good it's gonna work i swear he goes if you are messing with me i swear and he's like no it's, it's good and as you can tell in the film um the, it works. It worked. It, it, they did a great job. And now him and Michael. his brother Michael have now bonded. Well, yeah, they've been through war together. Yes. <laughs> Where did you say you were from? Now oh. they're going to go to Gimbel's. Okay, and this part is so real. It bo- it irritates me every time. Two kids, kids playing tag in a department store. It's the worst, but very th- authentic. Oh. And when they're jumping up and down in a moving elevator, so awful. But again, authentic. That's what little kids do. Because that's what children do. (laughs) And now they're visiting Santa's workshop at At Gimbal's. And so Michael is explaining to Buddy the Elf about how James Caan, Walter, is not really the dad that you want. And... Michael's like, why are you staring at that girl, the co-worker? Why didn't you ask her out? And he, as a little brother, helps him out. Real food, not candy. So Jovi comes over to talk to them and is like, hey, what? Oh, so you're here. Did Gimbal's give you your job back? And he goes, no, worked out pretty well. They uh, filed a restraining order. (laughs) And the manager is now Santa Claus. And I love that Jovi kind of looks at Michael, the younger brother, of like, is he for real or is he just being weird? And he's like, no, 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 he, he's asking you to date. And it's like, oh, Thursday. Yes, Thursday's great. And now we see a giant tree being put up in the apartment by Buddy and Michael. And he's like, yeah, he chopped it down in the park, which we can assume is Central Park. And James Conn is explaining to his wife, like, are you crazy? And she goes, yeah, the, the, yeah, we'll have uh, Buddy the estranged elf man teach her son and commit felonies by cutting down the tree, cutting down trees in the park. She goes, okay, the tree was bad. I'll make him plant a new one. <laughs> and so while Buddy and Michael are decorating the tree, Walter and his wife are discussing what do we do because we can't leave him anywhere so why don't you take him to work and she goes no no, no, i can't take him you need to take she's in meetings all day so she can't take him so you need to take him to the office (laughs) which now (laughs) which we open the elevator and it's like um the movie rain man with tom cruise and dustin hoffman coming down the elevator they're wearing matching suits um <laughs> and buddy the elf is now complimenting everyone that he meets as walter just passes by them uh buddy 
says something nice to everyone as he's walking. Francisco, that's a fun um, name to say. (laughs) I love how she gives him the Christmas cup. Yes. To put the coffee in. And he's like, oh. Oh. And then Walter's like, but you don't have to drink that. He's like, oh, thank you. (laughs) And again, he's just being polite. He's being nice because she brought it to him. And he's reading the book Pygmalion. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a bring your kid to work day. Oh, my gosh. Where they touch everything. They want to answer the phone. And then Walter has a brilliant idea of... Why don't you go down into the mail room? Because there's letters from all over the world. You'd love it. And what's great about the mail room is that it smells funny. It looks like everybody wants to hurt me. Here they are, the dynamic duo of Richter and Gas. So they're the staff writers. And they have their fantastic idea of a new book is to hire another writer. The legendary Miles Finch. So then Buddy the Elf is telling a co-worker that's next to him where he came from and how he got to New York City. Buddy the Elf then asks his co-worker, how did you get here? And he says, work release. And then he proceeds to see his co-worker pour, quote, syrup and coffee and he goes oh i love syrup and coffee Mmm. why didn't i think of that (laughs) so they're both hammered and they are laying on top of the mail cart and they are philosophizing about life to which his co-worker have a delightful exchange of you I gotta what? get you out of the flow. You know what? You know what? You know what? My whole life, I just been in the flow. I just been. That's what you need to do, man. You need to go with the flow. No, no, no. I need to get out of the flow. I'm, oh, tw- I'm 26 years old. <laughs> <laughs> to which Will Ferrell goes, "You're so young. You're so young." My Papa Elf. He didn't make Master Tinker until he was 490. <laughs> <laughs> So the three, uh, Walter, Andy Richter, and Kyle Gass are on speakerphone with Miles Finch, a.k.a. Peter Dinklage, and he agrees that he will have a physical meeting with them to discuss the possibility of working on a new book for that publishing firm. And they are informed that there's a situation going on in the mailroom where Buddy the Elf has now inspired the whole workroom to be having a dance party and work has completely stopped because they're just having fun. And now we see Buddy and, and Joey go on their date. Which he is now dressed up like an adult. And again, like a, like a child. What do you want to do? I got some ideas. And then just walks away. <laughs> Takes her to have the best cup, world's best cup of coffee. And she's like, it tastes like a crappy cup of coffee. No, it's the best. 
He then takes her to the spinning, revolving door, and the trick is to not get your arm cut in it. And then they go around Manhattan looking at Christmas decorations and Christmas trees and window, which I think is very sweet. Mm-hmm. Because he thinks that she's... Into Christmas out- trees because that's what she was decorating when they first met. And so that she takes him to Rockefeller Center, which of course is the biggest Christmas tree in New York. Which they then go ice skating mm-hmm. in Rockefeller Center. Which is great. The whole building is a buzz because Miles Finch is on the floor. Here he comes. Here he is. Game of Thrones himself, Peter Dinklage. To which uh, <laughs> he insists on being paid up front. He makes sure all the cash is there, and now we can proceed with the meeting. Even though he writes children's books for a living, he is all business. He has a notebook full of ideas, and he wants to hear the pitch of what they have. He wants to see what they have cooking. And the ideas that they're pitching, he is not he is not impressed with at all. Now, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I've always said that there's a little issue here. Miles Finch specifically says, no, no farms. Everyone's pushing small town rural. Anything about a farm is just going to be white noise. You're not going to make a thing. That's going to come back later. He's So Miles says, I've got four or five great starts right here. Let me know which one of these that you like. I have one that I am particularly psyched about. To which, of course, that is when Buddy the Elf bursts into the room and announces that he's in love and he doesn't care who knows it. And then he proceeds to insult Miles Finch, Peter, Peter Dinklage, who, in case you didn't know, uh, is a smaller person. Mm-hmm. And so... Buddy the Elf believes that he is an elf. Which is very insulting. In the real world. And Miles Finch proceeds to tell him, (laughs) has no time for that and makes it quite clear to Buddy the Elf that he will not be talked to in that manner. Or insulted at all, being called an elf, and he goes, "If you're feeling strong, buddy, call me elf one, one more, more time. time." And Miles Finch proceeds to beat up <laughs> Will giant, tall, six foot five plus Will Ferrell, and he does not understand sarcasm <laughs> at all. And so after. Miles Finch beats up Buddy the Elf. He grabs all his stuff and storms out, taking the money, and is like, forget this, I'm out. Which I don't blame him. I don't. I am on on his side. Well, yeah, because he's been called a, a slur. Yeah! And so Walter Hobbs is so pissed, he proceeds to yell and scream at Buddy the Elf to get out and I don't want, care that you're my son because he essentially probably just cost Walter Hobbs his job. Mm-hmm. And of course it's Christmas Eve and he's having to stay because now he has no story because Miles Finch 
took off. But wait, Andy Richter and Kyle Gass have discovered that they have Miles Finch's no storybook notebook with all these fantastic ideas. And illustrations. And illustrations. So they've already paid him the money. So they're just going to choose one of the one of the story ideas and work out the details later. Now here's my problem. We just had Miles Finch tell them explicitly <clears throat> everyone's pushing small, small town, town rural, rural and farms don't do that. You need to be different. Was and more what, vulnerable than and, a peach. And what do Andy Richter and Kyle Gass flip through the notebook and what storyline do they choose? They go we should do this one. It's about a peach on a farm. What's more vulnerable than a peach? Which that line, that storyline is literally what Miles Finch told them not to do. So they didn't listen at all. So I don't know if that was a choice by the writers and John Favreau that they're like, oh, they're dumb. So they're of course they're gonna choose the wrong one or if that was a mistake in that, I don't know. It's always bothered me. It's always bothered me. And so now they have the storyboard presentation presented to Walter Hobbs' boss and the board of directors of how they're going to save their quarter. And... Which they're not, because they're pushing small-town rural. It's going to be a disaster. With the vulnerable peach. <laughs> and uh, Michael then comes in and says that Buddy is gone, and he's missing, and I'm worried. We have to go find him. And Walter goes, oh, I have this meeting. We'll go after. And Michael goes, you don't care. You, all, you only care about yourself and your job. And so Walter says, this is going to have to wait. I have to go find my son. And Walter goes, no, don't, we need to do this another time. And he goes, no, if you walk out, that's it. You're finished here. You're done. And he realizes that finding Buddy the Elf and restoring faith in his son in himself is more important. And so they walk out of the meeting. Do you think Greenway is supposed to be like Golden Books? I don't know. Because they're doing, they do children's books? Maybe. And then we cut to Buddy the Elf on a bridge, which is kind of like, the big, like, It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart, where he's considering jumping off a bridge and committing suicide. I don't think Buddy the Elf is, is quite that distraught, but he's very upset. And while he's on the bridge, he hears and he sees... Santa and his sleigh and his reindeer, and the sleigh is having some technical difficulties. And then we see Buddy the Elf go into Central Park, where Santa has touched down the sleigh and his reindeer because he needs it fixing. And Santa is so excited to see Buddy so he can work on his sleigh. And then Santa tells Buddy that the engine broke off somewhere over the tree line. You have to go find it. And luckily, Papa Elf taught him 
how to work on the engine and the sleigh so he can fix it and get Santa back up in the air to save Christmas. We then see uh, Jovi is in her apartment and she's making her ramen noodles super fancy. And she's watching the news about the holiday hijinks that's happening in Central Park and for Christmas Eve and how people have now spotted Santa and his sleigh on Christmas Eve. In the amateur footage that they show of Buddy the Elf in the park is a thousand percent just like when they show a Bigfoot spotting. So Michael and Walter also saw Santa in distress crashing into Central Park and that is where they find Buddy and the engine. And then Walter has a very nice heart to heart with Buddy the Elf saying that I'm sorry for what I said and I don't want you to leave. But in the meantime, can you help us fix Santa's engine and get Santa back up in the air because it's real? And now we see uh, Walter meet Santa Claus and Santa goes, would you mind helping your eldest fix my sleigh and he's so confused about what's going on because he didn't believe in Santa Claus and now Michael is helping with fixing the sleigh and double checking uh, the list and the bag of toys and so the list that he has in the sleigh is that it's not just any skateboard that you want, but a real huff board. And go look in the sack and you'll go ahead and find it. And when Michael gets the skateboard, the sleigh lifts off the ground, raising the clausometer, making Santa's sleigh fly because of his belief and Christmas spirit. And Christmas spirit is about believing, not seeing. While they're fixing Santa's sleigh and the engine, the Central Park Rangers are coming to investigate him. And they have a plan to distract the Central Park Rangers from the actual sleigh and from the reindeer. And so... Walter's now going to dress up as Santa Claus and Michael is going to take the actual list of all the children's names and presents. So Michael has a great idea to take the list, to take the book to the on-site camera news crew covering Central Park in Santa's sleigh. So he's going to start reading all the names and their presents that they wanted to, to prove that Santa Claus is in fact real and to raise the Christmas spirit. So after the news station broadcasts Michael with the list, his mother then comes find him and so does Jovi. And so Jovi realizes the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So Buddy the Elf is still trying to fix the engine 
And Santa, and Santa's like, we gotta get going, jump in, Mr. Elf. And so Jovi then gets up into one of the Central Park handsome cabs and starts to sing Christmas Santa Carol. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> Christmas spirit is going up on the Clausometer as uh, Jovi and Emily begin the sing-along. The crowd begins to sing along and the Clausometer goes tick, 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 tick up. And as they ignite the engine, they don't quite clear the angel statue, which blows and cuts loose the engine. And that could spell disaster. So from the spontaneous Christmas caroling, the on-site news reporter is showing the caroling, and then it cuts to different places. Households around the city. <laughs> Which inspires the mailroom to start singing, the security cards, the <laughs> everyone at the publishing office, everyone at Gimbel's, <laughs> and a local bar. And Michael says you're to James Kahn, you're not singing. He goes, yes, I am. No, you're not. You're just moving in your mouth. You need to sing. So, of course, Walter Hobbs finally sings on the chorus, which kicks the clausometer to 100% Christmas spirit, and the sled can finally take flight. Cut to Christmas morning at Walter Hobbs and Emily's house, and they're opening their Christmas presents, and they give Buddy a ginormous jug of maple syrup. Walter goes on to open his own publishing firm and write the life story of Buddy the Elf, to which Buddy the Elf hosts story times in the toy shop at Gimbel's. And then we have Bob Newhart, who talks about how Buddy the Elf and his wife come to visit every once in a while, and now they have a baby. So cute. And the voice of the claymation snowman is music legend Leon Redbone. And that's the movie Elf. Um, it's fantastic. It checks all the boxes. It is a fantastic film. Everyone in it is fantastic. Real heavy hitters um, in the, throughout the entire film. Uh, I love that they stacked it with comedians. Uh, I love that James Caan was a great sport and decided to uh, play along with uh, Will Ferrell. Um, I, I, I think it's fantastic. He's still got to play the most serious part. In the film, I know, but that's what's so great. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, it's fantastic. The runtime for Elf is an hour and 30 minutes, which I think it's long enough and short enough that a small child will sit through it. And it makes sense that it would create such a great children's story. Mm -hmm. By far, um, as you could probably tell, my favorite, my favorite parts of the movie have Faze on Love. He just 
dominates every scene he is in. I love it. And just so you guys know, for you listeners out there, while we were watching this film, we were wearing our festive Christmas sweater. Mm -hmm. Of course. Heather's of which is a gnome. Well, he's he's kind of a hybrid of, of Papa Elf, a gnome, and Santa Claus. And then I'm wearing my Christmas sweater, which is very festive in the fact that it is a surfing Santa. That's right. Surfing Santa. Merry Christmas, Santa. Christmas comes this time each year. Ah, Merry Christmas, Santa. (laughs) And I love the music that they use in the film. I think it's a great soundtrack. I just, it does, really, I, I love it. People have been asking Will Ferrell for years and years and years, would he ever do an Elf 2? And he has always said no. Fun fact, Heather, they offered Will Ferrell $15 million to commit to an Elf 2, and he said no. Yeah, he said at the time of the filming in his life, um, it all worked. He goes, but any point past that, I, me in tights in the first place was was troublesome. He goes, but now there's no way. It would just be sad. He goes, no, there was a very fine window of opportunity when I could be seen publicly in tights and that window has closed. Um, But my feeling also is when you make a perfect film and Elf is pretty darn close, except for the, the, uh, the pitch stories, as, as I said, that I have a problem with, uh, just continuity wise. Other than that, I feel like it's a, pretty dang close to a perfect film and when you make a perfect film if you do a sequel you are really running the risk of not only not being able to hit the high bar that you've set but also somewhat tarnishing the legacy of the first film you make so whenever i see a sequel to a film first off i have to give respect for people having the courage to suit up and try again to knock it out of the park. And when you make a sequel that is as good or better as the first one, I think that's even more incredible. Um, Because when you're making a movie the first time, you're using all the best ideas that you have because you don't leave anything on the table. You put everything you have into it. Um, So I can completely understand Will Ferrell's um, refusal of doing another one because we did it. And it's fantastic. And you Why don't, would we... You don't need to make another one. No. Because at the end, it shows that he got the girl. He still got to be a hybrid of an adopted elf and live in the real world and be with Santa and his new family. And Walter wrote a best-selling children's book starting a new career publishing new elf the only thing that i would see if they did a sequel it would be the life of their child who we saw at the end at the north pole which her little hat said Susie, um the baby um so you could you could maybe do a storyline of her of what 
her life was like living part-time in the North Pole and part-time in New York. I mean, that's, that's an angle I could see happening, but I just don't see it being necessary. No, but, um, who's to say, who's to say what the creative mind can come up with. So I got, I hope you guys really enjoyed watching along with us, uh, Will Ferrell's Elf and be sure uh, to, um, this holiday season, indulge in the main basic holiday food, food groups, which are candy, candy corn, candy canes, and syrup. And this has been, I'm not complaining. I'm just asking. <laughs>